Are you thinking about selling your house but it's not in tip-top condition? How do you ensure you'll maximize your profit? If your house is in need of an upgrade, Houselift can assist in eliminating all the stress of the remodeling process while matching the current trends that buyers most desire. And get this, there are zero upfront costs from you, the homeowner. That's right, you won't pay for any of the upfront costs from the remodel until your house closes. Houselift will handle everything from the contractors to the design while managing these costs. Here's what you need to do. Head to their website or Facebook page, both at houseliftcolorado.com, and check out the incredible remodel Houselifts has done for homeowners here in the metro area. In past jobs, Houselift has put anywhere from 15 to 60K more in their clients' pockets. Call 303-885-7888 today and find out what Houselift can do for you. Oh yeah, if you hire one of Houselift's preferred realtors, they will sell your home without charging a listing commission. Welcome in to the BSN Broncos Draft Podcast. We're going to talk about everything from, uh, you know, athletic builds to ball skills. And, and on we go, and down the line from there, right? Fill in all the blanks in between, yes. Jeffrey Simmons, a guy that I really like. But he's just a marvelous interior penetrator. Special, special, special kid. What an abundance of choice you have with these interior defensive linemen in this class. Kyler Murray, as long as he gets to draft day healthy, he will make more money. He's been asked the question. He's had multiple opportunities to say, I signed with the A's. I'm going to honor my commitment there. This isn't even a conversation. And he hasn't done it. That's all he has to say. And maybe after the Bama game, it's like, geez, he's not just a first rounder. He's a top 10 pick. Frankly, I would take him ahead of Herbert right now. And I think it'd be a toss-up with Pascal, 100%. And now, here's your hosts, Andre Simone and AJ Hayfully. Welcome to the BSN Broncos Draft Podcast, presented by Elixinol. If Jake Plummer has endorsed Elixinol's hemp balm and provides him and his family with the endless benefits of CBD, then you should too. This is a non-THC product, and 5% of your purchases goes to a non-profit of your choice. Visit elixinol.com to get yours today. Well, welcome, welcome, welcome. Day one of the NFL draft is here, AJ. We have looked forward to this since early August. Um, actually, we previewed this class yeah. about a couple weeks from where we are now. So it's almost a full 365 days here. And yeah, it was an interesting round to say the least. I should say I am Andre Simone, your host. He is AJ Hayfley, my co-host. We do the BSN Broncos draft pods around here. Yeah, we uh, we certainly do those, and it's always fun when you put a year of your life into something <laughs> and then watch it get burned to the ground in front of you. So, oh boy, um, that's it's always it's always start. a good feeling. That is one way to start. We should recap if uh, you chose or were too busy and couldn't watch the draft and you figured I'll find everything out by just listening to the Broncos podcast and you don't know yet. The Broncos were at 10, traded down with the Pittsburgh Steelers. We're going to get into the details of that. Let's just start there. Yeah, let's. Yeah. How do you, you feel about the deal? Well, for starters, you had Devin Bush. Mm-hmm. You had Drew Locke and Dwayne Haskins. Mm -hmm. Ed Oliver was gone at that point. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, so those were really the top guys. And Jonah Williams, I mean, the top offensive lineman in the class for us. Yeah. A guy who went at the very next pick at 11th overall. And we've said all along, could both provide an immediate upgrade at at guard um, and a long-term insurance for Garrett Bowles in case yeah. he doesn't work out. For sure. Um, and the Broncos <laughs> instead. Like worst case scenario, you're drafting a guard 10th overall. Right. Right. Like, who and that's that's worst case scenario because both of your tackles worked out and you're like well that's a pretty good worst case scenario right a hundred percent and he wouldn't have just been like some decent guard this would have been like <laughs> right a Brandon Sheriff type guard. yeah he would have been a premier guard the different types of players but that level right. of guard um, instead they moved down with the Pittsburgh Steelers who came up to get Bush uh-huh. who is the guy that everyone had zeroed in at ten all along mm-hmm. you are correct pats on the back for you. Uh, you were just incorrect of what team would be drafting Devin Bush. Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and yet lots of mocks like my own had him going to Pittsburgh. So that yeah. wasn't a surprise either. Well, and the weird part was uh, I called you this afternoon. Let's get into that. Yeah. yeah. I called you this afternoon and I said, I heard from my guy in Pittsburgh. Yeah. Keep an eye on the Steelers coming up to 10 to get Devin Bush. And that they had talked not only to Denver, but uh, to Detroit and Buffalo at 8 and 9 as well. Mm -hmm. And it's weird because it's a couple years in a row now. Yeah. That longtime listeners will remember your Pittsburgh Connect who told us once upon a time that (laughs) Juju was going to be their guy. That Juju Juju Smith-Schuster was the man in Pittsburgh. So Mm -hmm. um, it's weird. It's weird. Like, okay guy in pittsburgh do you do do you work for the steelers (laughs) right right like i know you through hockey but your information is weirdly accurate it has been spot on well and and this year it actually affected denver so it's too bad i didn't actually throw that out there and report that it would have been weird for a hockey reporter to 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 get a broncos trade yeah three hours in advance yep that's true that would have been really awkward because it was like what two o'clock when when I called you, so we were yeah it was it was like one fifteen because I was right. on my way right, to right, right. At the, the office. latest it yeah. would have been yeah so, so it was like five it was four and a half five hours before mm-hmm. the draft had started that uh, this had happened so just a weird like behind the scenes thing that actually came true yeah totally um, and so then the trade details are the Broncos moved down ten spots from ten to twenty yeah. And add a second rounder, mm-hmm. 52nd, 52nd, which we're all about adding picks yep. right around that top 50. Absolutely. We feel like that's not only where you can get starters, that's where you should be getting high-end starters. Yeah. We talk about the top 50 sure. a lot on mm-hmm. the podcast. So that's huge. And on top of that, you get a future third rounder. Yeah, a third rounder next year. Mm-hmm. Um, that's You start building up that draft capital. Yep that they're eventually going to have to use to trade all the way up and draft whichever quarterback they like the best next year. So getting yeah. ahead getting ahead of things, smart. Right, right. If you look at it that way, <laughs> and after the first round, I mean, that seems like a pretty solid theory. They definitely have a little more draft capital to make some moves in 2020. So all of this was good. I liked yeah. all of these things. Yeah. All of this felt good. It felt like... Hey, Devin Bush would have been a really good fit. He would have made your defense better. Mm-hmm. But given the guys that were there, given the value, given the number of teams that were interested in moving up for different players, get what you can. Yeah. Take the best offer that you can and go from there. Mm-hmm. And I think they did a good job with that. They got good value. 
they broke pretty much even on the trade value chart. Right, um, they just had a excess little of better. About 100 points. Yep. Um, but but came out, I mean, pretty much even. Yeah. You feel better about having an excess of 100 points than being behind 100 points. Right. So, right. you know, you feel like, hey, we got we got solid value, and then who knows what happens with Pittsburgh, you know? Right, totally. Maybe they, maybe they bottom out next year for whatever reason. Too many things have happened, and they end up picking in the top five, and your third-round pick ends up really, really high. Right. You know, maybe it ends up at the back of the third. You don't know. Yeah. The point is, is that you have another third rounder to play with. You guaranteed yourself another top 100 pick next year. Right. Um, building that ammo up is always going to be important. You always want to be able to find ways to add stuff, uh, to add picks. So this was all good. This was this was the good part of the mm-hmm. draft. And then as things unwind, Haskins gets taken at 15. Amazing for Washington that they don't have to move at all to right. get their guy. And we had talked about kind of just not as much as we did last year with potential trade down scenarios with Buffalo, but we did talk about a few trade down scenarios. Yeah, and we said, you know, the the best fits for me would have been Garrett Bradbury, the center from NC State, mm-hmm. and Jerry Tillery, the defensive tackle from Notre Dame, who for reminds sure. me a lot of Chris Jones. Yeah, as things unfold, Haskins gets taken at fifteen. Bradbury goes to Minnesota two picks before ours, which was a bummer. But you still have Tillery around, and Mm -hmm. you still have Drew Locke, who at 20 would have felt like a much better value than 10th overall. Instead, the Broncos go with tight end out of Iowa, Noah Fant, and that's the selection. So we have a lot to unpack with that. We kind of buried the lead, not mentioning Fant's name until nine minutes up to this. I was trying to put it off. Hey, it's you can't put it off forever. Um, so, yeah, uh, my third tight end in a very talented tight end class, 29th on my draft board, which you can find with the draft draftable grades and everything he had he carried um a tier four grade which is a late first early second mm-hmm. so fairish value mm-hmm. um and you know he's a, a mismatched tight end one of the most athletic tight ends to come out in a while a guy who is really tough to cover one-on-one Mm-hmm. We are watching film rooms, which you should be or film on him. And you'll see my film room up right around when you're listening to this podcast. Uh, I guess if you're listening to it tomorrow, you'll have seen it for a while yeah. uh, where, for example, he outruns Denzel Ward mm-hmm. down the sideline. A guy who ran Great a route. four three and was the fourth overall pick for the Browns last year and was fantastic. Right. By the way. Right. Like, not like a pick and then it blew up in their face. Right. You know, this was. It was it was not whoever the corner was that the Browns drafted all those years ago, like eighth overall. Joe Hayden? No, the other one. Oh, Justin Gilbert. That's it. Yeah, yeah. where they had, they had the they dropped down to nine and then they yeah. moved back up to eight to take him and it totally blew up in their face. Greedy Williams had some Justin Gilbert <laughs> vibes. Um, Except Greedy Williams didn't get drafted tonight. No, he did not. <laughs> he did not get drafted versus eighth overall. Right, and maybe the NFL's learning some lessons <laughs> with some of these guys who've dropped. Like, yeah, and then well, and then two tight ends go in the top twenty picks, so the NFL's not learning anything. Yeah, yeah, fair. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> oh boy, uh, and and so Fant separating from a cornerback of that caliber 
which is something that no wide receiver was really able to do in college football, let alone a tight end, Mm -hmm. is impressive and kind of the type of example of how dynamic this guy can be as a vertical threat out the seam, can be a weapon in the slot, can even be flexed out wide. Mm -hmm. Um, You can move him all over. That's something Iowa would do. He'd He'd come from the backfield. They'd put him in motion. Mm-hmm. Even some direct snaps, you know, uh, where they just hand the ball off to him. So he's versatile. This is a really intriguing chess piece to have added to the Broncos' offense. Okay. Right? Sure. Now, I, I really want to – your thoughts will come in a sec. And this <laughs> is another pick. You know, we're starting this new year of Broncos football with under the Vic Fangio regime. Mm-hmm. And yep. – but this pick isn't about Fangio at all. Nope. It's all about new offensive coordinator Rich Scangarello, uh, who, of course, had George Kittle, another athletic Iowa tight end, who mm-hmm. we all know how good he was last year, and it wasn't just against the Broncos. And it's for Joe Flacco, a guy who's really benefited from having talented tight ends who he can dump the ball off to as safety blankets mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. Yeah, um, pretty much nobody has invested as many high picks in tight ends as uh, Baltimore has in yeah. the last several years. Right. Uh, I would say maybe Detroit, the only other team that I can think of off the top of my head without looking at every single yeah. one of them. Yeah, that's uh, a good point. That has, I mean, because, I mean, how many how many picks? I mean, they used, they, they took two tight ends last year. Yep. Crockett you know. Gilmore once upon a time. Right. Dennis and Pitta. Dennis Pitta. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, just tons of Max Williams. Like, yeah. tons oh, of right. guys. Right, right, right. Like, they've been they've been drafting tight ends over and over. They were one of the teams that helped me develop my tight end theory. Mm. That you don't do exactly what just happened. Yeah. you First of all, you don't do what they've been doing. Mm-hmm. Because they've been recycling those contracts. Yeah. Uh, and then don't do this. Um, yeah. The other thing worth mentioning, great red zone weapon, yeah? Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, he should I mean, definitely help out in that area. Tested off the charts. Yeah. Great quickness, amazing speed, like out-of-this-world leaping ability, yeah. dunk-champ-worthy leaping Linebackers ability. Linebackers are going to have a real hard time yeah. dealing with the short area quickness. Yep. Um, the separation in small spaces that he's yep. going to be able to get. Um, he's going to be down in that that, you know, within the five-yard line. You know, yeah. he's going to be a guy. He's going to be a real handful for yep. defenses that they're going to have to they're going to have to track him because you can you can take advantage of him on little quick, quick outs. Mm-hmm. You know, you can take him on uh, drag routes at the back of the end zone with the yeah. leaping ability yeah. and his speed, his ability to separate. Like there's there's going to be a lot of opportunities there to make the most out of him. Yeah, especially when you put him in motion and move him around yeah. and use, use him, him creatively. Use him like use him mm-hmm. a lot like Iowa did, where they dropped right. him back into that as the second tight end, right? And had him move across formations yeah. and then run little drag routes, you know, across behind the line, right? Um, where linebackers have to they have to track him through mm-hmm. all of the all of the bodies and pick their way through all the trash and all the all the routes getting run. Right. Um, they they were able to find a lot of ways to consistently sneak him out into the open yeah. field. And once he once he gets the ball and he catches it and he's he's moving, um, he can make guys miss. And he's, oh yeah, he His does a he's, he's a real he's right. a real weapon once right. he gets into open field. This is mm-hmm. not going to be like a a Tony Scheffler like really athletic guy. But right. when he got into the open field, he looked like that really awkward white dude running down the <laughs> yeah, field yeah, with yeah. limbs going everywhere. Right. And you were like, 
no, Noah Fan is a much more natural athlete mm-hmm. than that. So yeah, totally. He's gonna, you know, he's gonna look good in those in those areas. There's, it's, it's not the pick is not without upside. Yeah, and I mean, when you do move him around and he does stuff like that, he's really intriguing. And I think Scangarello, have, from having watched quite a bit of that 49ers tape from last year, we're able to do similar things with Kittle. Mm-hmm. Um, and now all of a sudden. He allows you to play a lot of two tight end sets, which is what the Broncos were going to do in this offense anyways. Yeah, with Hireman being healthy and, and right. being the guy. It'll be Hireman, not Jake Butt. I mean, yeah. we'll see about we'll see how, training camp. Yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens yeah. with Jake Butt, but right now you're planning on it being Hireman and Fant. And Hireman being such a good blocker works when paired with Fant. Mm-hmm. That becomes a much better combination. But with fans' athleticism and the fact that in some ways he's almost a tight end masquerading and, or a wide receiver masqueraded as a as a tight end, because mm-hmm. um, his blocking is nowhere near ready. Right, you're gonna play in two tight end sets, and sometimes it's really almost gonna be like you're in a three wide receiver set. And how our defense is gonna adjust? Are they gonna put that third DB in? Or that fifth DB in, that third cornerback to cover yeah. him yeah. and play in nickel and then be afraid of his blocking ability. Because if he's a wide receiver, he's a good blocker. Yeah. If he's a tight end, he is a poor blocker. The inline blocking isn't there. It's not there. Much going to be better when put in motion and stuff as an H-back. Like, I'm sorry, but when we put on that tape with North, to North Texas and we watched that dude mm-hmm. just whiff on blocks mm-hmm. and watched his, no, watching his, his guy – from North Texas, rack up tackles for loss. Yeah, it was it was disappointing. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, and that kind of stuff is eye opening. He needs to work a lot on his blocking. Well, and that's why Hawkinson went before he did, is 100%. because Hawkinson mm-hmm. is going to be able to contribute. Right. You know, I made the joke when Detroit took him. I was like, oh, they just used the top ten pick on the second best Iowa tight end. But At Iowa, in a way, he was. He was. A, he right. was the least less hyped tight end was Hawkinson for a long while yeah but but once I mean the two-way stuff is going to matter to the NFL the yeah the 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 ability for that guy to go in and be like a sixth offensive lineman right away oh, will be really helpful for mm-hmm. Detroit um but that's just not an element that exists in no offense games one reason yeah. why he was there yeah he doesn't have great power he doesn't play with great leverage mm-hmm. hands need to be better yeah compete level needs to be better more than anything he needs to do a better job angling off defenders yeah just cutting off their running lane you don't need to maul them you don't need to bury them or yeah. pancake them but you got to be in the right position with those athletic s- skills you have to be in the right position yeah get in front of them and <laughs> basically you get know, in the way man right it's, it's like a pick in basketball you don't need to be pushing around just get in a spot right. and block your guy right and beyond that, even as a receiver, there are some deficiencies. Not the best route runner, right? Especially underneath. We talk about him as a safety blanket for Flacco. Mm-hmm. He's got that upside. You see it sometimes where it's like on a crosser mm-hmm. or, you know, an in-cutting route over the middle. He can just, you know. When he gets when he gets lost and he finds the soft spots in coverage, he's mm-hmm. really hard to cover just because mm-hmm. of his athleticism. Yeah. But when it comes to creating any kind of separation when somebody's on him already, it's not there. Right. On these type of routes. Obviously, when he's running in a straight line, he R- is right. like good luck to you. Right. Like, Truly. hey, he's going to present a problem. Yeah. Just, he ran a 4-5-1. Right, right. Like right off the line and just, woo, you know, you're going to run in a straight line. Okay. Yeah. He's going to be dangerous. Right. But if he has to actually run a route where he separates on the route, mm-hmm. 
he's going to have a hard time. Yeah, it's got to be. It's a. It's an element of his game that needs development. Right. Absolutely. And that that area scares me less than the blocking. For I sure. see more. Like, I mean, that's that's. I see f- more flashes. More. I mean, most guys coming out of college have to work on route running. Hundred percent. Have to work on the technique and right. the refinement of it. Right. How to set guys up. How to cut. How to. Yeah. How to. You know the timing of everything and working with the court. Like, there's so much that goes into it. Hundred percent. That, that it's it's not. You know, when we talk about any wide receiver, we're going to be talking about route running refinement. Very few guys, uh, especially in this mediocre wide receiver class, are coming out and being like, "Oh, this guy's like." It's like AJ Brown, right? Like right. he's like your top your top tier route runner, and then there's everybody else that's going to have to figure it out along the way. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, I think maybe more concerning, the deficiency I see most in his game is those hands are inconsistent. Yeah, we saw we saw some nice catches mm-hmm. where he you know he'll reach back and and he could find the ball and it looked natural for him. Track the ball over his shoulder, stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, and then there were some other catches where, uh, and mostly balls thrown behind him where he was just batting at it, mm-hmm. you know, where he's pawing at it like a puppy. Yeah, and you know that's not that's not great. Yeah, to me, what bothered me most is he's not great on contested balls. Yeah, we saw we saw him get hit multiple times and the ball pop loose. Yeah, and you know, there's not going to be a lot of there's not a lot of catches in the NFL where you're just going to catch and run and yeah, and you're just oh la di da, you know. Right. That only that only happens against the Broncos defense when <laughs> you're a tight end on a yeah. regular basis. <laughs> I mean. Yeah. Um, and he's not going to have that luxury except in practice. Right. And so. in general, I just, from a receiving specialist, I need to see more just tough grabs, acrobatic grabs, yeah. where you're making it midair adjustments. You're coming down with tough passes. That kind of athlete, that's kind of what you expect him to be able to do. And yeah. we just didn't see a lot of that on the tape. There was right. most everything is him out in the open field with nobody within five yards of him. Right. And when there were contested situations. It was very iffy. Yeah. So I think it's fair to say he's still raw. Yeah. I mean, that's the kind of profile you got. It's an intriguing weapon, especially in this offense. That's going to give you different options. But it's a it's a kind of a raw piece of clay that needs to be molded right yeah. now. Yeah. Even though, of course, you know, over the last two seasons had over 1,000 receiving yards combined and 18 touchdowns. Mm-hmm. The other thing in this is in a really strong tight end class with now two second rounders, I don't know that that was the greatest value. I know how you feel and regular listeners know how you feel, uh, but non-regular listeners don't. Do you want to give us a polite, abbreviated version? Uh, so here's what I like about it. Yeah, What I like is that they looked at the guy that they committed to a quarterback and, you know, they've already come out and they've said in their, you know, Fangio and L.A. have come out and they said they did not consider quarterbacks at 10 or 20. Mm-hmm. They just flat didn't consider them. Yep. What I like about that is that they went out and they got a guy in Joe Flacco that they clearly believe in and they're not hedging their bets in any way. Mm-hmm. And that they went and they got a position that has always been productive with Flacco at at, at quarterback and was an area of need was mm-hmm. definitely an area that yeah. could stand to be upgraded right uh, especially when they did nothing to address the position in free agency yeah. this opened themselves up to mm-hmm. this possibility um so that's what i like about it yeah 
What I don't like about it is that this franchise can remain so committed to winning right now that it continues to try and think in one-year windows. Uh-huh. And they go out and they get a 34-year-old quarterback who has been middling uh, in terms of effectiveness for the vast majority of his career, yep. save for an amazing five-game stint in 2012 yep. that we all unfortunately remember all too well. I still yep. wake up in cold sweats from that every now and then. Yeah. Um, and and they they go out and they got that guy mm-hmm. and they didn't second guess it when they were mm-hmm. they could have just sat tight taken Dwayne Haskins hedged their bet at the quarterback gotten a very very good quarterback prospect not been under pressure to play him right away because of right. Flacco right and let that kid learn for a year and you know give him a chance at some real development yeah. and a guy that would need it yep a guy that's going to get the same exact thing in Washington. <laughs> ironically behind case Keenum. yeah i know kind of funny and so they were so committed to the short-sighted decision of theirs that they doubled down on it and catered specifically to this guy yeah to the point where they go out and they target a position that one is deep in this draft yeah and so they decide to use their first pick instead of the 41st or the 52nd pick mm-hmm. on one of the other solid athletic tight ends or the 71st heck. right or the 71st on mm-hmm. a guy like sternberger yeah you know, they they use the first their first pick. They go drop all the way down from ten to twenty. They pick up extra picks, and they cater. They're catering so much. They're trying to force it with this guy so much that they're now catering their offense to him in that way. And that's like, hey, look. I hope I, it's catering more to Scangarello than it is Flacco. But but Scangarello is catering his offense to Flacco, which that's good coaching. Yeah, you coach to your personnel. Yeah, yeah. but. And you see that you see the productivity of the position mm-hmm. for this for Flacco, but to all of a sudden, I mean, you don't even consider the quarterback. Yeah. If Dwayne Haskins goes on to be an All Pro quarterback, you passed up on that because you were so committed mm-hmm. to Joe Flacco for a year, maybe two years, mm-hmm. that that's that's where your priorities were lying. Yeah. Was that you wanted to win nine games so badly next year? That you're catering to this guy in his mid-30s, who everybody knows is, even if this goes well, a short-term solution. And now you're going out and you're getting a tight end for him who, look, Philip Lindsay is going to be the star of the offense, Mm -hmm. no matter what. Mm -hmm. And then you hope Emmanuel Sanders. You hope Cortland Sutton takes a step forward. 100%. So you're talking about maybe the third best weapon in your offense, the fourth best weapon in your offense, outside of obviously the quarterback who's kind of like, his own guy. Yeah. And now you're now you've catered enough to him that you went out and you burn your first round pick on this position where even if things go really well and he ends up being the second best player in your offense, that's more of an indictment on your wide receivers than a compliment to your to your tight end unless the guy ends up being truly elite. Right. Because we had this conversation after the pick was made and I asked you I said how many high impact tight ends are there in the NFL? The question, which is the only question that matters, how you phrased it, was how many tight ends are such factors that defenses have to game plan specifically for them week in, week out? High-impact guys. Mm -hmm. And we came up with three, maybe four. Maybe four. I mean, we were removing Gronkowski because he retired. Right. But he would have been on that list. Ebron could have also fallen in that because of all the touchdowns and the red zone. And, like, Ebron, a guy that was taken 10th overall, Mm -hmm. took – Four years to get there. Yeah. 
you know, was on his second contract, his second team. Yeah. That totally. doesn't do any that doesn't do Denver any good if right. that's if Noah Fant follows the Eric Ebron, right. you know, who's right. his closest comp. Right. Like that doesn't do them any good to wait to watch him develop for four years, leave after his rookie contract is over, and go somewhere else and score a ton of touchdowns. Yeah. It's not doing them any good. Yeah. And and so that's my concern. That's right. that's always right. been my problem with the position. Yes. It's not the player. It's not that I don't think Noah Fan doesn't have upside. We've spent we spent 15 minutes talking about what we think he can mm-hmm. do, what he brings, and the good things here. Yeah. My problem is that they got so short-sighted. They got so set on trying to win nine or ten games next year in an uber-competitive division, mind you, yeah. where Patrick Mahomes and the Chargers are still ruling the roost here. Yeah. And, you know, the Raiders have a long way to go. Like, they had a nice day and all, but they have a long way to go for me to for me to really be considering worrying about them 100%. in any meaningful capacity. Yeah. And they're so committed to trying to get, like, what, a wild card spot that they are drafting for this year. This is the same thing that we see GMs. You and I talked about this before the draft started tonight. Yep. We see GMs and coaches who switch from – we're looking to build this thing long term. We're trying to find answers here. Right. We're making moves in the best long term interest of right. in the franchise's future. And there's no way you could tell me that Noah Fan is in the best interest versus a guy like Devin Bush mm-hmm. or any either one of those quarterbacks. Now, Drew Locke fell out of the first round. Yeah. And so that's a shock in itself, right? Yeah, big time. And so the fact that, okay, well, hey, they're not going to consider a guy at, at 10 or 20. On the un- on the unlikely event that he's sitting around at forty one, if they pass on him again, this is just raw stubbornness. That's I mean you're getting into you're getting into what should be considered fireable offenses for other guys. I mean, assuming they're wrong about Drew Locke, they might be entirely right. You Maybe know? I mean it's always the Raiders who knew him very well passed on him three different times. <laughs> right. You know, so but they also the Raiders also have won a ton of money and a guy in place already. Where you can make an argument for that's a long-term quarterback, even if he's taken steps back from the one great year that he had, Fair. you know Denver doesn't have anybody like that on their roster. They've got what Kevin Hogan and now Joe Flacco, and they continue to ignore this position. Mm-hmm. And they—that's my frustration. It's not yeah. so much that they passed on a quarterback, like okay, but they're in win-now mode, and they go out and they get a position that is just. It's low impact. Yep. And you can say, hey, look, George Kittle just had one of the best seasons that a tight end has ever had. How much did it help him? Yeah. Yep. The 49ers What, what good did, not did it do to San Francisco? Games. Yeah. They just picked second overall tonight. Right. Right. Though he, so, does, he does compare favorably to Kittle. He does compare favorably to Ertz. Those are two of the three tight ends we were talking yeah. about. And, yeah. like, look, like, Ertz all of that is true. Ertz best comp. But you're still talking... I'm like, that's not to say it's George Kittle's fault that the 49ers were bad this year. There were, far there from were, there were far a lot from. of things that Obviously, went into it. Yeah. But that's my point. The highest of high-impact guys made no difference on them winning games. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, in, that's In fair. the overall, in the aggregate on the season, you know, right. on an individual day, obviously he had quite the impact yeah. when they rolled yeah. into Denver and feasted. But To say the least. Yeah, but the short-sightedness of it, you know. We're gonna hire this coach. We're gonna bring in an old quarterback. We're gonna we're gonna go and target the position that 
he needs the most to be successful because he never yeah. had impact wide receivers out there. Right. And so it was always tight ends, right? They right. were always investing in tight ends because that's what he made use of. Yeah. Instead of instead of going in on wide receivers. Um, you know, maybe that was why he was productive with tight ends. It's because they only ever brought in tight ends and they yeah. didn't consistently bring in wide receiver help. Like right. best wide receiver that he had was Michael Crabtree for however long. Steve like, Smith in that one year with Kubiak. Yeah, actually. well in the one in the one right. and Steve Smith was like by far the most dynamic guy that he yeah. had in Maybe right, his like entire Ravens career. A year prior to retirement. Yeah. yeah. Like, washed up Steve Smith was <laughs> right. the best he ever had. And Steve Smith balled out that. Oh, yeah. And, well, and, Steve, like, and Steve Smith was amazing. Yeah, like, that guy was just phenomenal. incredible, just a freak of a guy. 100%. Like, awesome dude. Yeah. But that's my frustration with it, man. That's where that's where it just feels like this wasn't, this wasn't what we wanted. Yep. You know, you if you're going to be in win-now mode, everybody's going to accept, okay, they're not going to go after a quarterback. Fine. They're gonna be they're gonna be focused on getting better and and doing what they have to do. Then why not? I mean, interior offensive lineman, they're going quickly. Chris Lindstrom went went fourteenth. Yeah, crazy. Garrett, Garrett Brad, Bradbury. Garrett Bradbury went eighteenth. Yeah, like there's there's there, these guys are now in vogue. We saw it. We saw it start last year. Yeah, you know when when James Daniels went like twenty second to the Lions. You know, no, no, he he dropped to the third to or the Frank Bears. Ragnow. I'm sorry, Frank Ragnow. Yeah, yeah, well. Quentin Nelson, of course, goes right. Like top. we're talking, like interior yeah. offensive linemen are, and that's a huge hole for Denver. Yeah, you know they don't have a speedy wide receiver. They don't have, you know, a Jerry Tillery. Jerry Tillery. Not only does Jerry Tillery not get drafted by Denver, but gets drafted at San Diego, San Diego's Los Angeles's biggest position of need. Goes to fill the biggest position of need for the Chargers, yeah. who just sat there and watched it happen. I know, and just took him, and we're like, well, okay. Yeah, crazy. I mean, to me, it's just it's just short sighted, mm-hmm. and you know maybe Noah Fan balls out next year, and if he does, then I'm completely wrong. Yeah, right. And I end up being wrong about this, but I've got history on my side. First round tight ends, not a lot of great history there. No, it is it is a rough list. And then the weird part, and this isn't actually meaningful, but it was fun fact that we kind of accidentally stumbled upon. Oh. Fourth time that the Broncos have drafted twentieth overall. Yeah. And that, that draft history was Steve Atwater, George Foster, Garrett Bowles, and now Noah Fane. So one terrible pick, one of the greatest Broncos of all time. Yeah, a, a, should be a Hall of Fame player. A major question mark leaning towards being a bad pick. Yep. Especially when you consider, you know, who else was available at the position at <sighs> that spot. And Fant, we will see. Who's a tight end. Yeah. There have been other tight ends drafted, by the way, in the 20 to 25 range. Almost none of them panned out. Yeah, to be impact players, like they might have been guys that hung around to like second contracts, you know, but were never like even Ben Watson. You know, Ben Watson played 15 years in the NFL. Yeah, but he was always just like a was he really first round? Yeah, that's crazy. And he was always just a guy that like was sort of there, right? Like right, a solid player, right? But was never an impact guy, right? And that's I mean that's what you're talking about with the vast majority of first round tight ends. That's the conversation you're having. Yeah. And it was the exact reason why midseason you and I went out of our way to talk about this position and why high picks. The NFL continues to burn high picks on these guys, talking themselves into, oh, he's a he's a matchup nightmare. You know, you can't stop him. Mm-hmm. You know, when Travis Kelsey was the Chiefs' best offensive weapon, their offense just wasn't very good. Their offense took off when it got Kareem Hunt and Tyreek Hill, mm-hmm. and Travis Kelsey became the guy they couldn't stop because they had multiple other players mm-hmm. that were just higher impact yeah. on a play-by-play basis. 
And that's the position. Yeah. That's the reality of the position. That's my frustration with it. That's why I don't like this. It has nothing to do with Noah Fant, the prospect. Everything to do with Noah Fant, the tight end. Yeah. And, I mean, it's crazy when you've just re-signed Hireman. You have yet to see what Jake Butt or Troy Fumagalli can do. And when you keep doing this. Yeah. Like, you keep drafting these guys. Every year you're drafting. And now the difference is, is Hireman was a third rounder. You know, Butt was a fifth rounder with obviously the the injury caveat. Mm, yeah. And Fumagalli was, what, a fifth rounder as well. That sounds right, yeah. And so you're saying, well, you draft a guy in the first round. You just, you're tired of messing around with these late right. round guys. And you're saying, let's get an impact guy at this position and just be done with it. Yeah. The problem is, is there's just not very many of them in, in the NFL, period. Yeah, totally. And I mean, you know, while I'm a bit more positive and I think in the passing game, this will open up. It'll definitely open up a lot more one-on-one opportunities outside for guys like Sanders and Tim Patrick, who might be their deep threat at this point. Which is another problem. Like Cortland Sutton. And that's what we're going to get into later. Like, yeah. There's still things. There's still work right. to be done. And I think it'll really open up space for running backs in the receiving game. That's what I'm excited about. Yeah, it like, should really help even Jan get out there and especially crazy. Phil. Right. Um, but in general, I, mean, I think Phil's going to be the guy they game plan around. I think even with the most positive spin, because it considering the positional value, the need, uh, the, the the value at twenty. So let's. It's it's a C grade for me. The coming in tight end, we we can agree tight end was a position of need. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Would you say in the order of positional needs? Where do you have it? Because I had it at about four or five. Um, well, and ranking position of needs can always be tricky because it's like, what do you need the most or the most valuable position well, of the need? Positions? I have coming in. I had interior offensive line. Probably the linebacker. Yeah, I'd say those are one A, one B. And then slot wide receiver as the ones that I felt the strongest about that they needed to address on in the draft. I would have had inside an inside pass rusher higher than that. And that, okay, that's um, I can't argue with that. I think and then it's probably quarterback. And you know a lot of this depends on what happens with Chris Harris cuz then mm-hmm. a DB comes into play. Which is another problem that I have their arrogance and short-sightedness again is going to cause them to have to go out and get a, a cornerback probably tomorrow with one of these, one of their, their day two picks yeah. because they're going to have to trade Chris Harris Jr. because they burned another bridge. You know, yeah. they it started with the TJ Ward thing, and it's just continued. They burned through the greatest defensive backfield they ever built, and they did it in such a, in such a way that every single one of those guys on the way out felt disrespected publicly. Has come out and been and and talked about how they couldn't believe that an organization that they won a world championship for treated them that way. Well, and and for have, me, that's a huge that's a huge concern. Very little to show for letting Talib, Roby, T.J. Ward, potentially Chris Harris Jr. We'll see what the return is with him. Right. I mean, that no fly zone. You have very little you've, that you rec- recouped out of that. You've dismantled it. Yeah. And you didn't do anything with it like right you knew it's not gonna last forever you know but at least you know we see with the way seattle's kind of reloaded their defense you know they're at least continuing to do what they do and they're they're still finding some success 
it's not the same caliber. It probably never will be. No. Yep. Neither will, you know, the no-fly zone is dead. Oh, yeah. And now it's, you know, moving on to whatever the next group will be. Probably just another average and boring defense. And not this truly dominant group that ascends to world championship status. Yeah. But to me, it's the disrespect of the players. It's the fact that every single – and I am I typically side with players over organizations, um, you know, working as closely as I do with players. Yeah, you know, yeah Obviously on the hockey side. Of course. I, I sympathize with the, with the human plight a lot more. I sympathize with them and the way that organizations treat them as completely disposable, especially in a league with non-guaranteed contracts. Yeah, yeah. big time. Um, you're talking about – I never have a problem when a player says he, he wants to get paid. No, you know, I never had, you know, Chris Harris Jr. did the Broncos a solid by giving them the contract that he did. And that's his fault. And it's it sucks that we have to, you know, that's on him Uh, and that he's he's now in a position where he's trying to get his and it's not great. But Mm. the way that the organization has handled their business, put them put them in this spot again. Where now they're chasing a position they thought they had settled up with in free agency. Yeah. Now they're going to look there. They've created another need. You know, and if they hey, if they trade Chris Harris Jr. for a third round pick tomorrow, we're good. Yeah, because they can they can use that you know, one of those seconds, get one of these corners that's fallen. Only one got taken tonight. Um, yeah, only yeah, DeAndre yeah. Baker. Right, it was only Baker. Yeah, and so they could they're gonna have a shot at, at some of the guys that they like. They can replace him and move on. Yeah, but if they don't deal him and they end up having to deal him later for like, oh, a fourth this year and a fifth next year, whatever it ends up being. You know they're not going to be able to get an, an actual replacement for that guy no, without without it coming at the the expense of another position of need. They had too many needs and not enough picks. The move down was a good way to start addressing that. Yeah, and then they burned the first rounder on tight end. Yeah, who? I mean, we'll see. Maybe that becomes their speedy wide receiver, and this offense will just Jesus. run differently. You know, and you're you're going to stretch. You're going to stretch defenses vertically. <laughs> through the seam and that is a thing with Flacco and this offense is you have someone who can stretch a defense up the seam that becomes a lot harder to cover that really you're really going to stress out opposing safeties and who knows maybe quickly enough used the right way Fant could become one of those guys that teams need to be aware of and game plan against sure I mean it's 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 possible I mean that's the hope real question has it has a tight end ever won Rookie of the year. Oh gosh, you're putting me on the spot. Not that I can think of. Like, no. have 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 there, has there ever been like a dominant like or even a really good tight end rookie season that you can think of off the top of your head? No, but I'm sure I'm blanking on. Something. Like, I'm sure there's one that I'm sure exists. I'm blanking, but yeah, you know. But it usually my point is that it, it normally is like a year or two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when you're in such a focused win now mode. You can't be drafting positions right. where you're like, oh, we're going to wait two years. If you're going to yeah. wait two years, draft Dwayne Haskins. Right. Yeah, I know. I know. All right. Well, we're going to be right back to talk about more of the first round, and then we're going to preview day two, which now is shaping up to be really interesting. But before that, we're excited to tell you about some game-changing coffee. Strava Craft is a CBD-enriched coffee that has really changed lives. Their reviews are incredible, so check them out. 
The CB-infused coffee has taken away long-term migraines, back pain, arthritis, IBS. It has helped this decrease anxiety. You name it. CBD is all natural and not psychoactive. The coffee is rich and tasty, and we couldn't recommend it more to our listeners. Check it out for yourself today and receive 20% off when you use code BSN2019 at checkout. And you'll get you'll get it shipped straight to your door. All right. We are right back. No breaks today, buddy. Just reads for me. So what stood out to you in a crazy round one where offensive tackles dropped, quarterbacks dropped, some of the better edge rushers in this class dropped, um, and we want to do AFC West great. And so a lot to unpack here. And we're already 43 minutes in, having talked about Noah Fant and the Broncos, which is how it should be. That's, yeah, I mean, that's, that's why the main focus. That's, that's why people are tuning in and listening. You got it. Um, you know, obviously, Murray, Bosa, everyone expected let's, that. Let's do like how we kind of how we do it in, pra- in past years. Yeah. Favorite picks from around the league. Just just a couple of picks that you liked mm. from the, from the mm. first round where you just mm. a team just nailed it with a guy. I thought Josh Allen at seven for the Jaguars was a really great pick. That was a – this isn't really what we need, mm-hmm. but this is a really good player that fell right into our lap. This right. this is De- this is Bradley Chubb going to Denver last year. Yeah. If you guys are going to give us this guy, then we're just going to take him. Yep, 100%. Okay, fine. And I love that they run a 4-3, and he can be a Sam linebacker. Yeah, he can, he can be what whatever. Vaughn was at the start of his career, Khalil yeah. Mack. He doesn't have to be that outside linebacker in a 3-4 where – He's mostly rushing the passer. He's a true linebacker. Mm-hmm. He can drop in coverage. That's a real strength of his. So I enjoyed that pick. Um, Ed I, Oliver. Ed yeah, Oliver was at nine. Perfect. That's intriguing. An easy, an easy replacement. It was an easy one to mock. Mm-hmm. You know, they just lost right. Kyle Williams. Right. Like they needed to replace that guy. This dude's a beast. He fell. Yeah, dominant inside pass rusher. Interesting to see how they'll use him. I tell you what, though. Tom Brady's life just got a lot harder. What do you want to do against Brady? Rush him up the middle. Yeah, collapse the pocket. Right, collapse the pocket. Well, what did the everybody a- right in his face? What did his AFC East rivals do? One added Quinn and Williams. <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't thought about this, but you're totally the right. The other added Ed Oliver, <laughs> and then Christian Wilkins. So, right. what's up, TB? Like, yeah. have fun next year. Yeah, they're like, they're like, look, dude, we're over this. So we're right. going to do everything we can. We're <laughs> right. not messing around with corners. We're not messing around with wide receivers. These skill, but no, we're going to go with the big uglies that are going to collapse the pocket right in this fool's face. We're going to try and make him as miserable as possible. We're going to hit those old dusty bones <laughs> yeah. and just see how it holds up. Yeah. So TV, that is, I hadn't thought about that, but it was a, it's a great point. Brady better start working on the cardio here soon because he's going to need it. And to me, look, the best pick of the first round. How I see it from a value perspective, it's Dwayne Haskins at 15. Yeah. You know, he was the top quarterback yeah. for me. I, I, when I, I looked at you before the draft and I said, man, if, if the Broncos draft Haskins at 10, we were talking about this guy before anyone like yeah. three weeks into the season. Yeah. I just think the sky is the limit and the way he ended the season is if that's any indication of his progression mm-hmm. like watch out this guy's gonna be unbelievable absolutely you know jerry tillery we t- talked about it oh, last segment man i mean they had every need in the world at at dt like that's yeah. they lost all their guys yeah you know injuries and, and age and and cutting guys yeah. everything kind of happened to that position for the chargers 
and they just watch Jerry Tillery fall right to him. And that guy is going to be disruptive yeah. and obnoxious oh. and a monster. Yeah, and they're just they were already tough to block when Bosa's healthy with Ingram opposite him. Now you've mm-hmm. got Tillery up the middle. Ugh. I do not like that. And I thought the Redskins killed it by trading back up and getting Montez Sweat, who's For sure. a, a top ten talent and you know, assuming he's healthy is They a burned all their day two pick. picks to do it. They did. But they walk they out of the they walk out of the draft with Dwayne Haskins and Montez Sweat. Two top ten picks for me, basically. Um and yeah, you didn't have to trade up for Haskins, so <laughs> right. YOLO, like we have the picks, let's use them for right. sweat. Um, so they, those they picks had those stood picks, and we thought we were they were going to use them to move up to go get Haskins, and instead they were like, "Well, the rich just going to get richer." Yeah, yeah, totally. Now, least favorite picks, or do you have another favorite that we haven't touched? Nikhil on? Harry. Everybody, I mean, come on, I love Nikhil Harry. I've been all about him all year, and the Patriots just went out and got. A guy that I think is going to make a huge difference for them. Yeah, and I mean, puff out your chest because he'll probably be pretty good. Yeah, like they'll I'll, utilize him well. You I'll know? puff out my chest when he rolls, you know, and yeah. and and it breaks my heart when they go out and they win another AFC championship without breaking a sweat, and Ugh. he wins the MVP. Yuck. Um, least favorite, the highlight would be Daniel Jones. Um, Ooh, really good call. Uh, two two guys there. Were, I think. Three picks for me really stood out as ugly in the first round. Yeah. Daniel yeah, Jones was the first one for me. Yeah, totally. I mean, we've talked about Daniel Jones on the pod. Dude would Look, have been there at, at 17. Who knows? There was talk that the Redskins were interested, though I really believe Haskins was their guy yeah. all along. I mean, that's the You're going to overrule Dan Snyder when you work for him? Right. Right. Yeah. No, I mean, good luck with that. Yeah. Right. And, I mean, the thing about Jones is we talk about the Cutcliffe connection. We've We've kind of – explained how that's a bunch of bs yeah how it's it's I an mean, overrated talking point his he only has two problems he's not very accurate and doesn't have great arm strength so no big deal you know aside from that i'm sure he'll be great um and the other thing that stood out to me i tweeted this was anytime there was mention of daniel jones going to the giants i thought about how he shut down media availability a day into the senior bowl mm-hmm. he couldn't handle you know, draft Twitter wanting to ask him a couple questions. Right. And when his, uh, so, his onstage interview media in New York, his onstage interview with Susie Colbert. Yeah. Very uncomfortable. Like, look, I do, I do a lot of interviews for a living. Mm-hmm. That body language is familiar to me. I know when a guy is uncomfortable with yeah. me and Daniel Jones was very uncomfortable next to Susie Colbert on stage. He definitely, his teammates, there's no way his teammates went to his birthday party. <laughs> That's the guy he is. Ding, ding, ding. Take a drink if you're waiting for a draft day reference. Uh, who are your other two least favorite picks of the first round? Titus Howard. Yeah. Um, I, there were a lot of, like, it's a very much a uh, dealer's choice when it came to offensive linemen. Yes. In this draft, you value them how you value them. Mm-hmm. Um, Scheme plays so much into right. this. And it sucks. It, it was a tough break for Houston that Andre Dillard was one pick before. Yeah. He absolutely I thought it was two, been, but anyways. It was one. Um, and good move by the Eagles to jump up, make yeah. that trade up, and get him. Replace Jason Peters. Like, yeah. boom, done. And, of course, Jawan Taylor dropped out of the first round entirely, but yeah. it looked like, oh, man, they're going to have a great pick right here, be able to take Jawan Taylor. Yep. I guess Cody Ford never went in round one either. He did not. Nor did Dalton Risner. Right. I would have taken any of those three guys. I assume 
with Taylor at least some sort of off field. Right. There's going to be something in the in in the next 24 hours yes. that has to come out that that'll says, explain it. Right. Yeah. This because this was a guy that we were talking about potentially going seven to Jacksonville. Yeah, and look, Titus Howard. I wrote him up in our preview. He's intriguing, but with those guys still around, I wouldn't have taken him. I still think he's raw. His tape can be a little up and down. Um, and like so. absolutely a position of need. It was just the player in this case. Right. And they're they're in a window. Like you don't have time to develop yeah. a tackle. Yeah. You have only so much time while Deshaun Watson is still under a rookie contract. Yeah. And you needed to add a plug and play starter. Uh, that's what concerns me about Titus. I joked with you that they were going to take Montez Sweat and trade to JV on Clowney for a left tackle. That might have been the better route. Uh, yeah, man. <laughs> he nailed it. Houston Texans uh, pop into AJ's DMs. They are open. Yeah, and, uh, they are definitely, let me tell you how open they are, man. The DMs the, I get every day. For the right price, he's available to GM your team. All that he yeah. asks is he can still do these Broncos podcasts. So Yeah, and you still let me cover hockey. Ball, <laughs> ball is in your court, Houston. Right. Lay it on me. What's the third one? Jonathan Abram. A player that I loved. Yes. But it felt like Carl Joseph all over again. Dude, like, it, doesn't it? Like, you just did this. Yeah. And I get, like, different regime. You right. know, different guys in charge. Right. But they just did this with Carl Joseph, who then immediately fell out of favor. And so they were like, let's take the guy who most closely resembles Carl Joseph in this draft. I know. And it was just like, like... I love the player. I love Jonathan mm -hmm. Abram. He's a heat-seeking missile. Right. Seattle and takes him. We'd be saying one, maybe one of our favorite picks. Right. You know? Yeah. It was just you guys clearly didn't like this player. You clearly had a problem with this kind of player. And maybe it was just a personality thing. Maybe they loved his style. Yeah. But there was just something. You know, you never really know what the issue is right. when, you're, when you're this far away from it. Mm -hmm. But to me, it just felt like, hey, we just burned a first-round pick on Carl Joseph. Yeah. And when that didn't work out, we didn't like it, so we're going to go out and we're going to do the exact same thing. And when teams when teams get into these patterns and they don't work, like Detroit with the tight ends in the top ten, Eric Ebron, and then four years later you go back to it, mm -hmm. you know, they, they were the team that took three wide receivers in a row. Right. You I know? mean, it's worth mentioning in both these cases, it's it was past regimes making that mistake. And new regimes hoping they don't make the right. same but one. But the, the new but. regime was also the one who said, Carl Joseph's not the guy that we want. <laughs> yeah. So they decided that was a guy they didn't want. But yeah. then they value that guy on draft day? Really, really yeah. weird management to me. Yeah. To I me, that was – and again, like that's for a player that I, I love. He is that old school type of safety that you and I grew up on. That guy, oh. that guy oh, yeah. flying up the field oh, yeah. and just mashing people, mm -hmm. mauling, just absolutely brutalizing fools. Mm -hmm. And we're into that. Like, we like those types of guys. Those are old school football players. Love them. Yes. You know, the, the, the Atwaters and the Dennis Smiths that we grew up on. Yeah. And he's yeah. very much that kind of guy. You know, you worry about, you know, does he have the range? Is he going to be able to cover? Is he too much of a psycho? Does he have any instincts oh, no. whatsoever? I mean, like I wrote, like, the, <laughs> the old adage of plays with bad intentions is literally true with Jonathan Abram. Right. This guy shut down the Mississippi spring game <laughs> because he hit one of his teammates so hard, they were like, okay, we're done. <laughs> yeah, right. dude. Like, 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 he's a bad dude is what we're saying. And yeah. he's going to be, like, he fits the, the Oakland personality. He fits that John Gruden. John Gruden, of course, he loves Jonathan Abram, right? 
Like, of course. But they just did this. And that's why I didn't like that pick. Yeah. Well, while we're with the Raiders, how would you grade their draft where they surprise everyone not with good, the fourth good, overall man. pick? Cleveland Farrell, personal favorite. I mean, he's ranked in my top ten, but not my top five. Yeah, no. I, I, I of, love him. Ahead of Josh I, Allen, I, I'm not down I with that. I loved him in the preseason. He's always been my favorite. I've said it. I would probably have taken Farrell above Chubb had he declared last year. But his stock fell a little bit. Well, for starters, he didn't test great. He's more of a power guy with a great motor, great finisher, violent hands, and played on a great defense where he had a lot of one-on-ones. <laughs> right. In Oakland, there's no one else to worry about. Right. You can double-team him. He has to be the and man. And we'll see what he'll do. And that's why I like Josh Allen. Josh Allen was the man. Yeah. Josh Allen went from, I mean, he mm-hmm. was the man in the SEC, mm-hmm. and then he was going to be go and be the man in Oakland. Right. And it wasn't going to be anything for him. He was just going to walk in and yeah. do his thing. Right. Um, and then you're talking Cleveland Farrell, you know, maybe he works out. Um, right. But for me on draft day, I'm giving them, like, maybe a C minus, D plus. Josh yeah. Jacobs was predictable. Everybody, everybody on earth mm-hmm. saw that one coming. And I still don't like it. I don't think he's a great first-round pick. No, not at all. Like, that's the second-round running back that you Mm -hmm. took because you have three first-rounders and you were worried about the position. And, like, he's, like, the 50th best player in this draft. Right. And, like... And you took him in the first round, and it's, like, for me, it was just... Newsflash, you can find a running back anywhere. Right. Like, running back is, like, the easiest position. It's so weird because we had those couple of years. You know, it was, like, Todd Gurley and Ezekiel Elliott and Leonard Fournette. And then Philip Lindsay comes back, and everybody's like... Right, 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 right. You know, Saquon last yeah. year. Yeah. And you're like, okay, second overall pick, undrafted free agent. Yeah, which would you Similar rather? impact. Yeah. Are we sure this is good value? Yeah, no. I and mean, I love Saquon. Right. But oh, it's yeah. like Saquon's great. But. but it's like, come on. And this obviously this draft class is not the same. No. Where there's no talent. There was no talent anywhere near Oh, last year's talent, running back class, when I did my position rankings, I was looking at last year's for even just formatting help, but also to see like how which were the strongest. Last year's running back class got an A for me. Well, like Darius Geis would have been. This year's running back class got maybe a D plus, a C minus. Yeah. Like the depth is not great. It's, it's I mean. Right, Dari- right, Rashad Penny, Darius Geis, uh, right. obviously Saquon. Those guys all would have well, not even used the Saquon, but those those. Geis and Penny would have been guys the top on. running back yeah. in this class yeah. by 10 miles. It wouldn't right. have even been close. Right. We would have been talking about them as top 15 picks right. because the separation was so obvious. Right. Like Josh Jacobs is a fine player, but you blew a first-round pick on an okay guy because right. he needed somebody at that position. Right, and then Farrell's a bit of a reach. And again, he was like fifth in the preseason for me, then dropped to like 10th because yeah. Quinn and Williams emerged and well, Kyler and Murray and Dwayne Haskins emerged and Josh Allen had a monster year and that's where you drop a few spots you know that's how well, it works and, out and not only do they you know do we just talk about the Abram pick Jerry Tillery goes with the very next pick yeah like what if what if you just taken Tillery instead and put him next to Farrell I know like scary thank god they didn't shame the Chargers did like all of a sudden, you know, yeah, and well, and the the Chargers are dropping Jerry Tillery in between, you know, Big Brother Bosa, yeah, and you're like, okay, great, this is this is already a problem. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and I I've been doing you know, this for BSN. I guess this is my third year uh, since the Bulls draft. Yeah, Bulls draft. This is I our suppose. third draft together. Um, I have always given the Chargers the best grade of the AFC West after round one. 
and well, that... you did not like Mike Williams. Oh. Yeah, you were not a Mike Williams fan. Oh, no, I killed them for that. Yeah. That was Mike Williams. Okay, so this is two years in a row. Pat Mahomes. Derwin killed it. Garrett Bowles. Then... Like, oh, the AFC man. West blew that first round, right? And then well, Mahomes turned yeah. into a superstar, yeah. and we're like, oh. Yeah. Yeah, totally. We were feeling so good on draft day that year. We were like, oh, the AFC West sucks at everything. <laughs> no kidding. And now Pat Mahomes is like, oh, Jesus. So I think a C at best when you consider, sure, they got three first-round talents, really one graded as a first-round talent. Right. And they overdrafted it by 10 spots. So it's a C-minus at best. I think yeah. that's the Broncos fall in that C to C-minus range as well. I would well. agree. Kansas I City gets a, I would say, a B because they use their first-round pick on a super win-now move on a guy that's going to help them a lot. Right. I don't care about the contract. The contract is fine. They had the space. They can pay it out. It'll end before Mahomes needs an extension. It's whatever. Yeah. And that's a that's a really good win now move for a team that needs to keep making those. Right. And they've got, uh, a, they've got three they've got three years to win a Super Bowl before it gets right. very, very difficult. And I think Tillery gets an A at twenty eight. Easily. Easily an A. My fifteenth best prospect gets an A. Yep. Two and years in a row, Chargers after look, Derwin James. They just they just let it come oh, to them. And I they were like, Oh, let's just take the best right. player. Right. And I, I mean they need to stop listening to our pod. Yeah, no kidding. Because I loved Derwin yeah. last year. You and love we t- love Tillery. You love Tillery we this year, Tillery. and it was like Maybe these guys know what they're talking about. We're just going to draft all these guys and have them torment them every year. You know, actually, Zach uh, Zach sat next to Tom Telesco, their GM, for a while at the Senior Bowl, and they kind of, you know, they chatted it up a little. It sounds like he's a bit of a boring person, but uh, most of those GMs so are. He's he's getting, aware of VS. Having gotten sure. to know a handful of uh, NHL GMs over the last few years because I sit next to him in the press box a lot. Yeah, boring guys. Not John Elway, good sir. Not John Elway. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to touch that. So there's our notes on round one. And anything else before we wrap this up? I mean, let's do oh round day two preview. Oh, my gosh. I can't, I can't believe this is in the books. We've worked on this for so long. And then it's like, all right, we good. Right. And it, um, one night it ends. And, and you're like, I, oh. I will be writing quite a bit more content from now and tomorrow. I'll I'll be giving my grades and yeah, some and more analysis. I have to do my other jobs. I know, sadly. I'll be watching the draft with you, but I probably won't have time to do this part of it. Yeah, so it won't be, I'll be at a watch party as cray cray of a of a podcast as this one. Um, before we jump into the day two preview, though, let me tell you about Weinster. If you're like me and you're trying to figure out how to be a mature, refined adult, or if you just like wine, what? that's more like me. You have to check out my friends over at Weinster. Weinster is an innovative online direct-to-customer wine club connection, wine connecting wine drinkers with more than 110 of the best wineries in America today. What makes Weinster special is that the majority of the wineries they work with are too small to attract the attention of retailers, meaning not only are you getting access to some delicious and hard-to-find wines, you're also supporting real people making real wine, not one of the few large corporations producing most of the wine available in stores. With Weinster, all you have to do is sit back and relax as they curate a hand-picked shipment from the best small wine producers in the U.S. Then, when you fall in love with a couple of wines, ask a club member you can have them sent right back to your door with no shipping codes costs. Oh, and I especially love Weinster 
because it was founded by three CU Boulder alums. Sign up today with the code BSN25. Get $25 off your first shipment of wine and start being a real grown-up. That's W-I-N-E-S-T-Y-R. All right. Well, now day two, which is very, very interesting. As we mentioned, because of how the Broncos set it up with two top 50 picks. Mm -hmm. And there is still... Hey, to me, it's a top 50 <laughs> pick. I'm not even uh, I'm not even getting technical here. Um, so, yeah, lots to be excited about tomorrow. And they could still get an A grade here uh, if you add four starters in the top 100. They got to do some work. You got to do some work. So who are your top targets? Let me start off by running you through my best players available I will run through the top 10, I suppose. First is Greedy Williams, who I don't think is a scheme fit in the Broncos when, you know, Fanjo said that tackling is not not optional. You have to be a good tackler if you're a DB in his scheme. Well, there you go. Then you've Tell got you what, though. If you don't take – if you pass on Greedy at 41 because you don't like his tackling, and that guy goes on to become like – yeah, stud lockdown like, corner. Like the next, like Deion Sanders. <laughs> like Right, who famously dude. was a terrible tackler. Right. Like yeah. dude. I know. Dude. I know. You better be right passing on Greedy Williams in the second round. And then you have Drew Locke, next available. Could have been not a gonna get at ten. Can we just stop with the quarterbacks? It's clearly I, not going to happen. Just making a list of those I know, players. I know, I know. But DK Metcalf, who, look, we're looking for a speedy wide receiver. This guy could stretch the field. That's for sure. Sure. Juwan Taylor, who we will almost certainly find out something is up with his medical right. or off-field or what have you. Yeah, where's the – what was it that we were joking about? The, uh, the gas mask gas bong rips. Gas mask bong uh, that famously killed Laramie Tunzel's draft stock. Yeah. Then you have two really intriguing corners for our scheme. Byron Murphy mm -hmm. and Chartsey Gardner-Johnson, who's can be a nickel corner and a safety. Yep. Which, look, if you're going to get rid of Chris Harris Jr. and you kind of need a safety, you kind of need a corner, right. especially a slot corner. That's a great pick. Best of both worlds. Right. It's exactly what we were talking about with Jonah Williams and those kind of guys. Right, because if you keep Chris Harris Jr., for uh -huh. whatever reason, you end up keeping him for the right. year. make it work. Gardner Johnson plays safety for you. If you move him, he plays corner for you, and they can also fill in for safety if something else happens. Or right, or you know, maybe maybe another guy steps up and takes the job. Whatever. Right. There's still the versatility there. Yeah. Then you have Hakeem Butler, wide receiver out of Iowa State, freak size. Yeah. Very good athlete, inconsistent hands. Not sure he's <laughs> the burner we want. You almost wish they didn't take Corlin Sutton last year so I they know. could capitalize on this class this year. Yeah. Of a whole bunch of big guys. Yeah. That are exactly the same type of dude. Absolutely. Talking about you wish they hadn't made a certain pick. Irv Smith Jr. still around. Tight end out of Alabama. Yeah. I will move forward quickly. Debo Samuel, wide receiver out of South love, Carolina. Love we him. love him. Love him. Yeah. Quickness off the charts. Great yeah. toughness. Would be a real weapon in the slot. Would you, be a real oh weapon God. outside. I tell you what, you put Noah Fant and Debo Samuel on the same field together, mm. and you'll stop hearing me whine. Yeah. Very, very, very quickly because, because that is going to be a problem. Right. That is right. going to be. That's that's hell. 
Yes. Because there's there's quickness, there's size, there's athleticism all over the place. And and then you throw in Sanders, and then you throw in Lindsey, yeah. and then you throw in Sutton. And it's like all of a sudden, man, that's that is changing for you. All of a sudden? Did you say that? Did you purposely do that? I did not. <laughs> um but yeah, no, that'd be a slam dunk pick. Like for that's me. for me, Debo mm-hmm. Samuel is one of two guys that's left on the board that you need to be like Oh, it'd be nice to have like straight up targeting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That'd be a great pick. And then we get into some O line value. Cody Ford yeah. out of Oklahoma. This guy could be an incredible yeah. guard. Incredible. Yep. I think he could be a very good right tackle. But as a guard, I have no doubt. And he's a mauler. He's yeah. nasty. Like this guy's put in motion on pulls and stuff will destroy everything that we liked about Will Hernandez last year. As a guard. Oh yeah. Kind but- of. This guy's way better than Will like like, like do it again yeah like yeah. put it in right. put it in a guy's a guy's body that played tackle in college yeah no kidding so and then you have Dalton Risner who brings you that kid a lot of those same attributes maybe yep. not the Mauler coming downhill but this guy can finish blocks and be nasty yep. I like him as a right tackle a little better Te- same technician um you know when Juwan James pulls up in your face and I mean he's there. Team <laughs> captain, one of the best leaders in the entire country. Yeah. Uh, so a guy that we know they met with and yeah. really like and have an interest in. That's yeah. that's a name. Yeah. AJ Brown would be a, big a, slot receiver. A guy that I love. Probably redundant with Fant and Sutton. Yeah. Right now. Because you need the now what you need to do is you need the speed. Yeah. Like regardless of how you feel about right. Fant, he's there. He's on the roster now. You got to work around him. Right. And AJ Brown would just be more of the same. As much as I think A.J. Brown is going to become a very good NFL player, right. it's not going to be in Denver. It's just not a yeah. stylistic fit. Good point. Um, Mac Wilson. <sighs> good cover linebacker. I wouldn't have loved Mac Wilson if we took him at 41. If yeah. we take him at 52 I after would... adding Debo Samuel or Juwan Taylor or Cody yeah. Ford, yeah. like – I'm all for that. Absolutely. I'm all for that. Although the Byron Murphy, Chauncey Gardner Johnson, right. any one of those guys say, paired if, with Matt Wilson. If you could go mm. offensive line and then one of those defensive backs or yeah. like some combination of those two. Uh, Let me say, I did like that with Fant they went offense. I do like yeah. that finally we're addressing yeah. offense. Like I'd, it's time to fix it. Agreed. And this twenty twenty We'll see the quarterbacks. It's tough to project out. I mm-hmm. think they're overhyped, but there's certainly a lot of upside mm-hmm. where there's not too much projection that needs to be done. Running backs and wide receivers. So tonight I put out that tweet that said, you know, I, I trashed Garrett Bowles the entire draft process. Uh-huh. And that's what the Broncos did. Yeah. And this year I trashed just the tight end position for five months. And that's what the Broncos did. Somebody tweeted me and said, good. Now I need you to trash Trevor Lawrence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. That would be like, amazing. Great. That's... That would be amazing. But, you know, so if your plan is tight end now and maybe O-line now and wait mm-hmm. for quarterback and receiver, next year might be a phenomenal year to wait and do that. I tell you what, if they if they go Debo at 41 and then, like, uh, Elgin Jenkins at 52. Yeah. You yeah. want to talk about, like, you want you want not that they have to make it up to me. Right. But like, do you want to do you want to talk about winning over as like a draft class? Like, hey, we're checking boxes with high impact starters, right? Like guys right. who are going to walk in and be the man at their possessions. Like, Noah Fant does he better not be sitting around behind Jeff Hireman come training camp. Oh no, he better get you a do, ton of you snaps. Do not yeah. use the twentieth overall pick on a tight end to be like, hey, this this guy 
that we signed for what two years and nine million dollars because there was no other option and like right. showed flashes at the end of his fourth year or whatever yeah. like no well and no in a sense he's competing with the third wide receiver as well as the second tight end true he might not be a true starter to start his career but he will see a lot of the field because I, he fills he, different roles. Start if he plays sixty percent of the snaps or whatever. Like if he plays, Shoot. he needs to be playing a lot. Right. Is my he point. could be an H back. He could do this some can't of the be a guy that's the out there for thirty percent of the snaps. Right, right. You could play him in in three back sets with him, Jano, and Phil in the backfield. Yeah. And you that's know? what we're talking about with these day two picks. You can do forty one and fifty two, especially. Right. You really, and then seventy one. Obviously, you'd like to get a guy that's going to be on the field for you. But certainly 41 and 52, you've got to get guys who are going to play. Yeah, 100%. You can't get guys who are going to be, oh, well, they'll be part of the rotation. Right, right. You need guys on the field, damn it. 100%. Get man. them on the field. That's what Get this guys is about. that are going to play for you. Stop yeah. messing around and stop, you know, I get that it's like draft gospel to be like, oh, best player available, best player available. That's all good and well. But if you take Chase Winovich, yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be upset. I'll be upset. Because too. it's like, love the player. You don't need that. Right. That guy's right. not going to play for you. Yeah, you really don't. Other... You know, like Terry McLaurin. Right. At the at 52. Great Dude. pick. Dude. Another team captain. Debo, another deep, deep target um, that can stretch defenses vertically. How about some interior pass rushers like Zach Allen or Draymond Jones? I hope those guys fall. For me, it's hoping those guys fall. 241 or 52? Beyond that. Oh. But especially You're 52. not ready to take him that high. I'm not okay. ready to take Draymond Jones before 71. Like, I would probably take Draymond Jones at, like, 50. I'd be okay with that. But there will probably be other positions that I like a little bit more. I think Zach Allen would definitely be worth one of those two picks. I think Zach I Allen's like ability Zach Allen. to... Yeah. To rush all over from all over the place would be really nice. Elton Jenkins, you mentioned him, center out of Mississippi State. Yeah, we are really high on this guy. We I like him, him a lot. Yeah. I love Jenkins and, and and his game. And similarly, Michael Jordan out of Ohio State's really promising. And Eric McCoy of Texas A and M. We didn't love the Eric McCoy first round hype. No, in the second though, I At could 52. see it. Another team captain, by the that's way. That's 52. Yeah. Like, that's not 41 for me. Right. 41 needs to be a guy that I'm sure of. Yes, I agree. And it's funny I say that, and they're like 11 picks apart, and like my goalpost <laughs> is moving, right. but it's like, eh. Another corner I'd li- I'd love in this scheme is Julian Love out of Notre Dame. That's a third round for extre- me. Yeah, I think now's where we start to talk about third round options. Yeah. Terrell Hanks would be another third round option. The guard from Wisconsin. Ben Benchwell, I other one have too. trouble. Um, yeah, Michael Deiter. Yeah, Michael Deiter. Michael Deiter, who has some versatility to yeah, play tackle. Got, yeah, he's got the tackle thing as well. So yeah. That's another guy that I would really like. Another linebacker I like, Drew Tranquil out of Notre Dame. Boy, he flashes a lot. I think Converted you just safety. take linemen out of Wisconsin. They know how to play the positions. I mean, it's, it's not a bad strategy. Like, just do that. And you could even start getting into quarterbacks like Brett Rippon, Jordan Tamu. Those are two guys I'd fourth, I'd consider in the third. Fourth round, I would – give me Ryan Finley in the fourth round. Eh, Finley might not get there. He's another name that's out there, though, that you might consider. I, You know how I feel about Finley, so. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean – I like him more than everybody except maybe Todd McShay. Yes, actually, that's correct. Um, he's very high. He's like, Ryan Finley's going to be a starter. Like, so I okay. think, yeah, he had him ranked higher than Daniel Jones, yeah. for example. So, 
trouble. Um, <laughs> I I think that's about trouble. it of the guys I would feature. I'm starting to get into some tight ends that would have intrigued me by so round three. Round two for the first for the two round two picks oh. for tomorrow. What's your ideal? Like best case scenario for you? Which which player and position combination do you like the most? So if we have to trade Chris Harris Jr., I'd like to add at the very least a third and have four picks tomorrow. I mean that'd be great, but just give me no, round no. two tomorrow. I'm oh just round two. Yeah, just round two. I think your ideal best case for you. I think my ideal scenario would be Chauncey Gardner Johnson. <laughs> and Debo Samuel. Okay. Mine would be Debo and I was Jenkins. torn between Debo and Mac Wilson. Mine is Debo and Jenkins. I'm all for that. Because I think that you continue to help the offense. Right. That's why I mentioned the Chris trade, though, because yeah. I wouldn't take Gardner Johnson if not knowing that. Right. CHJ. And and for that, for me, I'm like, look, that, that situation will sort itself out. Yeah. Um, if you're going to take a defensive back, it should be Gardner Johnson if he's on the board, just because you have that built-in versatility where he can right. do either one, right? Uh, depending on your situation, right. whatever happens with Harris. Before we finish, I totally forgot the Seahawks took LJ Collier. Yeah, that is definitely worth mentioning in one of the worst picks. Though you know they Strange always do pick. this; they always go off the board. They R- added a, a lot of draft year. capital. Oh, yeah, every year. Every year they do stuff like this. Sometimes it works out like, hey, Russell Wilson in the third when no one thought he was worth that pick. Or well, and, and I mean, you're third. Frank round. Clark. No one thought he was worth a second rounder. Now, partially because of off-field issues. Right. Which were there were other serious. issues with Frank Clark. It was not a talent um, thing. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, but they'll get unconventional. And Can I just say it the works whole out Jeffrey for Simmons thing on ESPN tonight was really awkward. It was I, odd that they I, felt the need to show that video. I got that they wanted to act like they weren't running away from it and they were addressing the problem head on. Yeah. Because you can't – I get where they're like, hey, we've got to – these guys have to be held accountable, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. But this is all – one, it was an incident from high school. You know, like we're talking like this is years and years ago. And talking about it and acknowledging it, I'm good with all that. Why show that video? Yeah, I don't know. I just – I struggled to find the upside in it. Yeah, it didn't increase my entertainment value watching the draft, it, that's well, for sure. Well, and, like, I don't mind them tackling uncomfortable topics. If no, there's they one should. thing the NFL has done really poorly, it's handled that that business. Mm-hmm. They, they're, oh, well, they're football players, and they're just football players, and we're going to ignore the off-field stuff. Right. I like that they've started, during the draft, they started to get into this more. Yeah. And that they're not afraid of these topics. Right. And I think these are just growing pains as they try and figure yeah. out the right way to have these conversations. But boy, showing the video just didn't feel right to me. It didn't nope. feel necessary. No, and you prime can time. tell the story. Yeah, and and not only that, but I can't remember which guy it was that got drafted, and they immediately tell the story of his uncle getting shot and killed in front of him when the police were there, and they were like, yeah, yeah, yeah. and like they thought that the the stepbrother was selling drugs, and the gun went off accidentally, and they killed the uncle or his stepdad or something, and I'm like. What is the upside in the story? <laughs> like this is the best moment of this young man's life, and you're yeah. you're talking rehashing about, the worst moment, right? Of his and life. you're talking about the worst day of his life, and and I get that you're building it up as like a look what he's overcome, but as somebody who's gone through some pretty horrific stuff in life, we're not defined by our worst moments. No, far and far. I'm and I was a little maybe offended is is too strong, 
But I was a little uncomfortable. Turned off, for sure. I was a little uncomfortable with the fact that they chose that moment to make it all about something terrible that had happened to him and not celebrate what he had just accomplished. Yeah. And I get that they used it as a vehicle to say, look how far he's come. But you don't need to tell that story. That's a right. private story that does not need to be told in order to say what an amazing accomplishment this is. Yeah. You know, I don't need I don't need my personal things to come up to to define how what my accomplishments are in life. And to me that felt uncomfortable. Yeah. It felt like they were using the worst moments of those dudes' lives to define them as people. Right. And I didn't like that too much. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm now with I'm you. Now I'm on a soapbox and I'm we're not talking you. about the draft anymore. Nope. Exactly. Um, That's not why people are listening, so let's get out of here. Anything else, though? I'm really looking forward to day two. I am. I'm really disappointed I won't be able to do this pod with we you tomorrow We say night. this every year. Day two is the make or break day right. of the draft. Right. I mean, the, look at the difference last year. Them getting a C after round one means nothing. Right. If you nail day two, you're going to get an A. And this is the opportunity to add three more starter-level prospects. Right. That's what we're looking at. Top 100 guys should yep. be future starters. Absolutely, 100%. And if you can add four of those guys in a class, that's huge for this franchise. Well, and if you – because you add that on top of the starters that you got out of last year's class, which crushed. You know, the the starters and the depth, everything that they did last year, good job. Right. Then you've built two classes in a row. A lot of your starters are now from the last two mm -hmm. classes. Yeah. That's how it goes. Like you get those, you get guys who are going to get on the field for you, and that's going to make all the difference. Especially if they get on the field and they're actually good. Yeah, <laughs> that would be. And great. not Cleveland Browns on the field for you. Yeah, no which I kidding. guess we can't make those jokes anymore. They're good now. Eh, we'll see about that. Once I would like to add, though, you notice that David and Joku was dope for them, and they still went out and got two high-end wide receivers in Landry and, and Odell Beckham. Yeah, yep. which. Just having a tight end doesn't mean anything. Oh, that's my point. You need you need more. I mean, and look, in a sense, that's true of every position. Antonio Brown's going to be better when Juju Smith and yeah. uh, a competent tight end and running back are around him. You know, sure. Um, like Le'Veon Bell made those guys better, and those guys made Le'Veon Bell better. Right. It's it's all right, and it all and makes those together. guys better, and you know, a top quarterback yeah. and all that. Um, it's yeah. a it's a. It's a good relationship. There's a yeah. there's a word that I'm I'm synergy. Uh, no, not quite. It's there's a parasitic rela. It's a symbiotic relationship. Symbiotic. There yes. it is. Yes, very. It's good. a symbiotic relationship. I, of course, all I can think of is parasitic because I'm Mister Negativity tonight. <laughs> oh boy. Not not so much. I mean, no, you are. You did a pretty good job. Um, I mean, considering when you told again, me what the pick it's was, more I about broke something. the fan. It's more about the tight end position than it is about fantasy. absolutely. So. Lots of upside in the player. Yeah. And honestly, the Huge. football fan in me, let's do it. I grew up on Shannon Sharp. I miss having a tight end running around the field and doing work. Right. Give and me those days back. Shannon, not massive like Fant, not the greatest blocker like Fant, but a phenomenal receiver. Yeah. And in a similar offense. So, so hey, man. Let's just do it. Let's hope. And on that note, we are closing out. But first, let me tell you about LiveWell. LiveWell Enlightened Health is your go-to dispensary for the best deals on the highest quality cannabis products. Members of LiveWell's free rewards program have access to a $30 pre-weight half ounce and $60 pre-weight ounce every day. LiveWell has 16 locations across Colorado from the Four Corners all the way up to Fort Collins with six locations in the Denver area. Visit livewell.com 
slash BSN for all of the most up-to-date sales and promotion. That's livewell, spelled L-I-V-W-E-L-L, dot com slash B-S-N. I'm Andre Simone. He is AJ Hayfley. Thank you for listening in after an exciting day one of the draft. We will be back with more coverage. Look at the site for more and more content. We'll be back tomorrow.